As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Ben Standing here. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Thursday evening and I decided I wanted to record another podcast this week, I did one with our pal Mike Smeltz going over some of the news of the day uh, and with the ownership and offensive coordinator stuff. And like most of the podcasts we do about this team, you know, it tends to look at the n- negatives or the questions because of, honestly, that's typically what we have to deal with around here. I decided to do something different this episode. This episode is looking at the positives from this past season, but not just anything that was better or good. Positives that will, we think, can carry over into what the commanders are going to try to do this year. And joining me for that episode, our pal Matt Paris from the Washington Times. We each went back and forth sharing what we thought stood out from this season. And then again, what we think can tra- can can help this team going forward. We talked about some players. We talked about uh, some some numbers, some other variables, even the fans a little bit. Uh, so I think you guys will enjoy this. It's at least a little bit of a change of pace. But of course, we you know wasn't every word wasn't you know a, a ray of sunshine. We had to you know contrast it here and there with some other things. And we did also discuss some of the news of the day. Um, Specifically with offensive coordinator, Ravens today fired offensive coordinator, or I should say parted ways with offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, let go offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Do we think either of those guys make sense for Washington? We discussed that. Uh, Lamar Jackson's in the news a little bit. Uh, we, we pondered uh, his future and p- perhaps could the commanders be anywhere involved with that and a bunch more. So hopefully you guys will like this and take you into the weekend with some positive vibes here on the podcast, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you do your podcasting. And of course, make sure you check out The Athletic. A few new stories from me this week, including most recent one, sort of just a, a checklist of where, of what Washington needs to accomplish this offseason season. Um, and Matt and I did a little bit of that here as well. So make sure you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. Uh, no need for uh, much of an intro here. Let's just get right to it. Matt Paris and I getting positive <laughs> talking about the commanders here on the Standing Room Only Podcast. All right, before we get too far away from the 2022 season, obviously it ended on a bummer note, but there were some positives along the way. It's not all doom and gloom, even though it always feels like it is and probably is. But we're going to try just to to get a little more, uh, to try to note some of the positives that came out of this year and maybe how these things can help Washington going forward. Who else to have have on to help this uh, conversation? Mr. Sunshine himself. Matt Paris from the Washington Times. Um, you know, some people are, uh, you know, born for certain duties. I mean, this one is right up your alley. Oh, yeah. That's me, Mr. Positive. So, 
I would say, like, I would actually say, like, unironically, I am an optimistic guy. Yeah, no, no. Like, if we rated the people on the beat based on that, I, I won't. I won't say who's at the bottom. I'm a candidate, but uh, yeah, you, you, and you, and uh, ironically enough, the other person I have on here the most, Michael Phillips, would probably be the at the top. Michael's probably the the, the one seed, but you are, uh, yeah. you know, you're you're not far behind. I've never seen Michael mad. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd, especially considering the team we cover. I mean, there's always, you know, it just the new, you know, the, the 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 jobs we all have in general. You know, there's always like crazy um, things come out of the blue or deadlines or whatever. But yeah, he's always in a good mood. Um, Ron Rivera tries to be a positive guy. He often tells us that. I think sometimes that gets him into some trouble, though, when it comes to uh, some of the choices he makes. But we're gonna try to, you know, point out here some of the positive things that have happened before and and like i think there's things there's some statistics there's sort of some player development and how does any of this translate to what they have on going forward before we get to that though we're talking on uh thursday early evening and i mentioned that in part because you know we're at a point now where the news is constantly evolving particularly with this offensive coordinator search um as of today they have now interviewed three people uh former Browns and Giants head coach Pat Shermer. They have interviewed uh, current Washington quarterback coach Ken Zampezi, and they have entered, fal- interviewed Falcons quarterback coach Charles London. Uh, Daryl Bevel turned down the chance to interview with them. They're still waiting to hear from Eric Studsville, the, the Dolphins running back coach, uh, to set up an interview possibly there, and we'll see what else unfolds. Where are you at right now as far as um, where w- what they've done what they're looking at who they should be talking to where are you at yeah a lot of the rumored candidates kind of make sense Shermer, they were interested in him in the first go around before hiring scott turner sam Keezy is a guy that knows the offense that they want to stay with the same scheme. uh charles london is a name that i don't think any of us had probably expected going into this but it's an interesting option i mean with the way that the falcons run game uh, was last year to be able to pick a guy's brain like that at least to see what they have going on is uh, I think a smart thing to do even if he doesn't get the job but um, yeah you know I think this process might take a little bit um, I don't know necessarily what the rush is I don't think they're necessarily uh, attracting top candidates to get there so you know uh, we'll see what happens and there were some other intriguing names that became available today depending on how you feel about Byron Leftwich and uh, Greg Roman yeah I think the Greg Roman one is is particularly interesting I mean I maintain my point from the moment they fired Scott Turner that they will not have their choice of candidates that anybody with options is going to look elsewhere and it's sort of playing out to an extent both in terms of who they've brought in and people they've targeted the people that they've targeted who've had some more options have kind of um, either you know, given them the Heisman or haven't come in or whatever. And those who are either sort of to the extreme on one end, like Shermer and, you know, like he's done, he's been there, done that, but he's also been, you know, he's had some dicey, dicey uh, seasons include, you know, the reason why he, his, his head coaching record is pretty limited. Um, and then you have the other example, you mentioned London, a guy who has no offensive coordinator experience, that would be a completely different um, merger. But I think Roman's interesting only from the standpoint of it doesn't matter whether we agree or disagree with Ron Rivera's idea that they want to be his run first team. It's not a two for two to one ratio, but just that they want to be run first. Then lean into that. Don't, don't, don't go, you know, getting somebody who's like a pass happy coordinator to then just like be butting heads the whole time. If this is what you actually want to do, lean into it. And Greg Roman has been a coordinator for 10 years with three different teams. His teams have always finished top 10 in rush attempts and uh, rush yards. And some of that is you have quarterbacks like Colin Kaepernick and Lamar Jackson. But Sam Howe runs a lot, too, so it it could potentially make some sense. So to that end, I think it makes sense. But beyond that, you know, Greg, we'll see if Greg, what kind of options Greg Roman has. Yeah, I mean, to add on that, I think that thing you could knock Roman for in uh, Baltimore was that they didn't really have the receivers uh, to to have a productive um, passing game that his system maybe can attract the, the top wide receivers to, to come 
play in Baltimore. Well, you don't really have that problem in Washington. You actually have a great trio of receivers with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuels. So having those weapons already in place, is he willing to, to sling it a little bit more? Uh, I do think that, um, uh, long story short, commander's wide receiver is good. Baltimore receiver is bad. Uh, maybe it works out if they hire Roman. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good point. Um, in terms of like Byron Leftwich, since he was also uh, fired today, that to me is a is a hard pass. I don't typically like, except for the Rams with Sean McVay, I just generally don't like taking a coach or a coordinator coming out of a scenario where the person above him is essentially running that side of the ball. Um, and that's what's that's what's going on with Tampa. Bruce Arians was there; they crushed this year. Bruce Arians is gone. They 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 went from a top ten offense to you know one of the worst in the league. I believe they were last in rushing, which obviously goes against what Rivera is looking to do. So whatever the circumstances were, you know, Tampa's Tampa's offensive line was all banged up. Tom Brady's a hundred, whatever you want to tell me, um, not coming off a good, a good year. So I would be out on him. Uh, we will see uh, more names. And if there's more names to add before I get to posting this podcast, I will do it. Uh, I'll do so in the intro. Um, what, what else was random? Oh, are you interested in going to Germany this year, this season? The, uh, th- they announced the five, uh, five games overseas. One of them is a new England Patriots game and the Patriots are Washington is playing at new England this year. So hypothetically that could be a game. Um, what do you think you want to go? Uh, yeah, I don't know if my work would send me though. <laughs> oh, selfishly, I hope it's in Boston because I've also never been to Boston. So, even though Foxborough is not Boston, yeah, but, you know, I, I know with the Washington Times, uh, you know, the budget uh, probably isn't going to let me go to that type of trip. So, you know, fingers crossed, I'll work my way toward it. But, uh, you know, if we'll, we'll see. Uh yeah. Um I have been to Germany. I have not been to Foxborough. So uh I wouldn't <laughs> mind going overseas, but yeah, if we if the worst case is uh we um go to New England, I'm I'm cool with that. I have not uh I'll check check another one off uh off of the list. Is that your how do, how does that compare with like London, Mexico City, the the places that the NFL is playing? Like I'd like to go to London. That's the I've not I've never been to London. Uh, so that would be pretty cool, and, and to use it for that, for that reason, that would be great. Um, I've not been to Mexico City either. Uh, I would rank that third on the, of those three. I mean, just because the, the going to the Europe part just seems, uh, yeah. you know, uh, a core deal. And I've not been to Frankfurt. They said the games would be either split one Munich, one Frankfurt, or both Frankfurt. I think I think I saw Albert Breer mention this, so I haven't been there. I have no idea what goes on there. So at least that would be different than. Um, uh, more to hanging out with Mitch in Germany. They, well, he's a celebrity. Um, I also haven't been to Munich since I was in my twenties, so it's not like it's been it's been it hasn't been recent or anything. Um, all right. Uh, and last randomness. Uh, Lamar Jackson today was a, there was a press conference in in discussing Greg Roman's uh, exit, but the, the the Ravens are saying, "Hey, we want Lamar Jackson. He's our guy," and Lamar Jackson is still. They basically said, we want him, but it's got to be a two-way street. And Lamar Jackson's been very cryptic this whole time. In terms of the commanders, what is so ironic about this, like, it's not even a matter that you hypothetically we would all say Dan Snyder wants to get this guy. This guy is already the most popular athlete in the state in which the team plays their home games. So if you could actually get Lamar Jackson, this would be the ultimate win-win. It's not even a matter of that he would be an upgraded quarterback. It was like you already have a built-in you know, I know it's a Ravens fan, a Ravens fan thing, but I'm sure there are people who would cross over. The irony is, of course, that we're at a point where Dan Snyder is not only potentially at least on the way out, but at a minimum, I can't imagine he would spend the money to do it. So um, that's a move. That's a move that, like, if you if the stars are aligned and the new ownership comes in, that's like the splashy new move. You know, Bill Simmons always calls it the, yeah. the owner syndrome of trying to. Uh, you know, make that splashy move. So, um, yeah, maybe it would be, uh, excuse my phone call there. My 
DePaul University is trying to get more money from me. So, <laughs> well, I mean, as as they should, you cheap uh, cheap jerk. Uh, the um, but yeah, so Lamar Jackson again. I, I'm only mentioning it because it's just so funny that you know we're so used to Dan Snyder spending, spending, spending. At least historically, a little bit less so in the last few years. But even then, you know, you make the move to get Alex Smith, give him a lot of money, Josh Norman, um, and, and so on. So um, I don't see that happening. They've already sort of thrown their lot in with Sam Howell to an extent. He's got to earn the job. But by saying that, they at a minimum, they're getting us to talk about something else, not Carson Wentz and all that. And at a maximum, they're going to go with a cheaper option at that position and hope for the upside and then add on a uh, – a, a a Taylor Heineke, a Jacoby Brissett, someone like that. Um, I, I guess like so to spin this to the conversation we're gonna have about the positives. Like, I guess to an extent you could say Sam Howell is one, but you know, he only played the one game and it's more of a hope than it is true positive. And what I wanted to do is like, all right, let's let's not let's not brush aside things that 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 stood out from this past year that hopefully can be a positive. And I said to you, this to you when we were getting before we uh, we started, like as an example, not it, it, we're not going to discuss an offensive line the way Rivera did last year that he kept citing was going to was like sixth ranked in PFF, knowing that Brandon Scherf is not coming back. We're all like, well, that's not a real positive going forward. So we're going to try to avoid those things and focus on what could help this team going forward. Um. I'll I'll let you. You've won the toss. Would you like to receive or defer? Uh, I'll receive because I would like to start with the Rivera-ish thing that <laughs> you said not to. But I, I think the defensive line was a, a real positive. Now, I know there's a huge caveat there with Jerron Payne, whether he comes back or not. But even if he doesn't, Jonathan Allen played lights out. Montez Sweat had, I think, the best year of his career. Even the games Chase Young played down the stretch, I thought were very encouraging. And, and they just kind of showed that discipline that was really lacking in 2021. Um, it looked much more like the group than it that it did in, in 2020. And frankly, I thought in stretches played even better than they did in 2020. So I, I thought that was a really positive uh, development. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can continue. But yeah, no. I thought there were some reasons to be encouraged. I agree. I mean, look, we don't have an idea right now what their plan is on all kinds of fronts uh, in terms of building the roster and totally get the idea of, like, hey, Deron Payne had a fantastic year, 11 and a half sacks, career high, was pretty dominant throughout. Today was, in fact, one of the things I meant to note is today he was officially added to the Pro Bowl um, roster because Aaron Donald pulled out and, and Deron Payne was the first alternate. So congrats to him on that. They, it's amazing. The team that didn't make the playoffs has five players in this pro bowl games thing. Anyway. Um, and I get why, I mean, look, the, the defensive line was the strength of this team this year for real because all, everybody else Chase, with Chase Young out really stepped up, but you're right. Even if Payne leaves, you know, I'm not saying he would be, he would be easily replaced, but they do have Fedarian Mathis. Um, coming back off the injury, there was a second round pick. John Ridgeway was interesting. Um, all the defensive ends, should they bring back F.A. Obata, Obata, James Smith Williams, Casey Tuhill, were at least solid. Like, I don't recall too many times this year any of us going, oh boy, that what a disaster over there. And, you know, obviously they can, you know, if Payne were to go, they could add, um, you know, another defensive tackle. Plus, you know, are you, are you, are you trading Payne? Maybe you get some stuff. So I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world if they did move on to an extent a third rank compensatory might be kind of eh, but okay so yeah i agree i mean the defensive line this year was the first time really since this whole group has been together that they were you know a cohesive unit and week in week out were really pretty good i mean i don't think there were too many games where i was going boy that that group's a mess yeah the only time that stuck out to me was the detroit game where they were being run all over the place and even that, like the like that one, like the Monsant Ross a Brown one, where he goes around the end, like that seemed like a a mistake. I think it was like William Jackson was just completely not noticing. That was or, before Jamin Davis turned into a solid. That was before Jamin Davis's growth. Right, 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 right. So you know, no, I'm with you. I I do think it is a rare, like right when Sheriff left, it was like, whoa, he's the one Pro Bowl where they have 
and the rest of it is a bunch of guys named Mo or Journeyman or you know whatever. You know, I'm not dismissing Charles Leno, but like you know, I mean, like you know, I don't know. We'll see. The defensive line would still have a Pro Bowler in in uh, now, and like you said, and Sweat was an alternate, and Chase Young obviously has a lot of potential. So I'm with you. I thought that was a pretty good uh, group, and also like the defense as a whole was much better this year, yeah. and that was sort of the anchor for the whole thing. Yeah, I kind of wonder about the defense. Not to veer this into the negative zone. Oh but, boy, but whether how much can they actually maintain to where they were at? You know, being much better on third down as they will. Does that number dip back down? They were really reliant on turnovers during that winning uh, that winning streak. So does that come back to earth? That's a worries me a little bit. But they actually they have a lot of. Uh, talent on this roster uh, on that side of the ball and so yeah i'll pay i'll let you go next with your positive well you actually kind of mentioned it third down defense we spent all of last year rightfully so just right. completely so mock preseason doing it think about that carolina game yeah absolutely right it was preseason the uh, third down defense was a mess they were 31st last year and they needed a surge to avoid not only coming in last, but having one of the worst third down uh, defensive uh, numbers of all time. And this year they were first, first in third down defense. I mean, that's obviously a huge deal. And look, to be clear, we're not ignorant of the fact that this was not a deep, this was not a year that they played tons of elite quarterbacks the way they did the previous year. Right. I mean, they played some good ones. I mean, they, they, you know, you know, they faced Jalen Hurts a couple times, um, you know, Dak Prescott, whatever. But, like, they also got, you know, the uh, AFC South and some other ones. So they did whatever they had to do to go from – I don't care who you're playing. To go from 31st to 1st is 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 significantly notable. I think that the, the whole defense as in general, I think, really just played well together for the most part. And I think you can really look at when – um. This isn't exactly the same thing, but I was looking this up the other day when William Jackson, um, like he got what was it, week eight, seven? That was the trade deadline. Yeah, well, he was benched in week five. Right, benched in week five from tra- trade deadline about that time. From week eight on, Washington allowed the second fewest, what true media calls explosive plays, runs of twelve or more yards and passes of sixteen or more yards of gains. They allowed 25 of those in the first five weeks when Jackson was at least active or, you know, playing. And I, I think that really helped shore things up, including the third down defense. So, uh, you know, kudos. And even like once, um, you know, when Benjamin St. Juice was missing games, I mean, I'm not saying he was at, he was missed, he wasn't missed, but they, they, they were still able to sort of maintain some, you know, some, some good, some good form there. So, and also Cole Holcomb. Johnson's music. <laughs> well, look, I mean, right. I mean, look, Cole Holcomb missed more than half the year. And if you had told me that before the season, I would have been like, oh boy, because their linebacker depth is non-existent and somehow they were able to cobble it together. So, you know, collectively, I think they played well as a unit. You give credit to Jack Del Rio, but anyway, that's my, that's my positive, the third down defense. Um, you know, and if they can keep this group together, you know, and figure out what they're going to do at linebacker, add some corner depth, you know, may I, hopefully they can uh, keep it up. Yeah, I, I will say, like, I, I'm just kind of toggling between tabs. Like, Buffalo last year, they ranked first at 33%. Uh, they fell to sixth this year, you know. As long as they can stay above average, they don't have to be first or even top five. As long as they're kind of just solid, you know. Like, even a team like Dallas, they were ranked second in 2021 they were 15th this year i think we would all consider dallas's defense to still be really good um even if they weren't as strong so you know i think it's something to be encouraged about i just wonder how sustainable it is but you know they they have the talent which i guess to to focus on the defense uh, again is i thought the safety play to have two legitimate young safeties um was very promising and it actually kind of gives me not hope because I'm not a fan of the team. I, I don't really care. But, you know, Percy Butler, uh, I'm interested to see how he develops given their track record of uh, finding Derek Forrest and finding Cam Curl. Um, those two guys, uh, I thought, really progressed as the year went along, especially Forrest because we kind of already knew what Curl could do. Right. I mean, I am I was saying, and I think correctly, that the Cam Curl-Bobby McCain combo 
not saying it was you know the greatest combo I've ever, but for for Washington, it's probably the best tandem they've had in years because you know we've all gone through the iterations when you bring in the haha Clinton Dixes and uh, you know the, you know go cycle through DJ Swearingers and whoever and nothing ever really seemed to click. Now, look, we're not prepared to say Derek Force is the next Ken Houston or anything, but obviously he had a wildly impressive. Uh, season after barely playing any defense, you know, he led the team in interceptions. Was a real, you know, sort of rock'em sock'em presence back there. And you know, we saw with Cam Curl, not counting the Dallas game, the other four games he missed, they lost. They lost all those games, and their defense really looked fairly messy. He he's proven to be, you know, outside of maybe a couple of the defensive linemen, and probably the most valuable player, um, on the defense. Certainly the most versatile in the back seven. Um, he's got a contract extension uh coming up here so we'll see how that goes but yeah i'm with you i think the the secondary at large but the safeties in particular and also look i know jeremy reeves wasn't really playing a ton of safety but you know he like jeremy reeves's game even more than the special team stuff but you know yeah yeah no but he he came in and you know i also thought it was interesting that they moved bobby mccain over to sort of that nickel position it's funny because bobby mccain didn't uh, balk at it the way Landon Collins did last year. We didn't really have the whole conversation of hey, a guy switching positions. Well, you know what a what a deal. Now he used to be a corner back in the day, um, so it's not that big of a deal. But um, yeah, by the way, Buffalo Nickel. Did, 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 would we need to put that up on a wanted poster or missing uh, um, side of milk cartons uh, or things like that? What happened to that position? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I would still say it's part of that just because you know that they did fill they haven't had they've yet to have a traditional slot corner I guess I'm just mostly joking at the fact we don't use the term anymore it was it became such a Jimmy Moreland you know like (laughs) right it just the days of of your guy in the middle you know yeah 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 for uh for sure. By the way, I, I, if I've already said this on here, I apologize. I really do forget sometimes where I say things here or the radio or somewhere. Uh, I know I think I wrote this the other day, but I don't know if I've said this to you, that Jeremy Reeves makes the Pro Bowl this year as a special teams player. First year he's made the active roster for week oh, one. Troy Apke, is this where you're going? Right, and the fact that like <laughs> yeah. the, essentially the previous two years, he more or less was beat up by Troy Apke, a player they did not draft. It's not like they had felt beholden to it, and the and, and primarily because Trapke, that was always the line. I parroted it. Well, Trapke's really good on special teams, and then they go the other way, and this guy makes the Pro Bowl. That, that's just pretty. That's just pretty wild. Um, I don't know what that means, but that's notable um, there for sure. All right, let me uh, come up with a, a positive. You know, I, I would say, you know, let's just give it up to uh, to Curtis Samuel. Obviously, the 2021 season wasn't, or just uh, forget the season, the year for him was pretty miserable. Um, I know when I talked to him a few times during the year, including at the end, you know, I think he really did have seem to be a guy that had a lot of appreciation for what he went through and where he was this season. I would like to have seen them get, you know, especially over the second half of the year, it felt like they just weren't being as productive getting him the ball, but that was obviously an issue with the offense as at large, but you know, he was able to play the whole season. He showed what he can do, how effective he can be. Um, you know, we don't know who the offensive coordinator is, and we'll therefore have to see how he's used. You also have Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, so they have plenty of options there. But just the fact that Curtis Samuel showed, uh, you know, he could stay on the field because it was such a weird mystery 
the year before. And we're all kind of like, oh boy. And then even back in training camp, right? He's like sitting out for a few days. They're doing the whole, like, we got to rest him. And we're like, really? You got to nurse him through training? Yeah, you got to nurse him through practices. Like, what does it, how does this bode? And, you know, fortunately, he was able to, uh, to do some good stuff. It started in week one of the Jacksonville and, you know, at least was still on the field the whole time. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, it was, you know, we, we stopped looking over at the side field to see if he was there. But he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always one of those deals, like, where we're all, like, kind of making bits about it. Like, you know, not. No, you know, we're, we're when it's over and over again, we're having to discuss the side field and became the you know, is this gonna be the Curtis yeah. Curtis Samuel, uh, you know, side field? Um, and then it, Samuel would be like a hacky <laughs> nickname that, that would have caught on, probably. I, I'm you know, I, I'm joking, but I mean, that if you if I was like a, a Skip Bayless type or whatever, like that's what you could go with. I mean, I, I'm not like that, but he yeah, was on track last year. To, to earn that sort of nickname. Uh, for sure. Now, let me ask you this. Ron Rivera is talking and Martin Mayhew about they want to be this run first thing. Again, I think two to, two to one ratio is overstated, but they're saying we just want to be clear. We want to be a run first team. And one of the questions I think a lot of us have had is, okay, you got Brian Robinson. You want that mentality? Fine. But look at the investment you're making in some other areas, including at receiver. You just gave Terry McCorn a massive contract you, extension. You just t- used a first-round pick on Jahan Dotson, and you gave Samuel a big deal the year before. Does it therefore make sense to have that level of investment at a position? I'm not saying they're, this isn't the wishbone. They're going to throw the ball. But do you need that level of investment at receiver if, in fact, you are going to be more run first? You, you, we know they have to build, fix the offensive line. So here's my question. Curtis Samuel, his cap hit this year, 13 million his dead cap 7.2 so that's just a little less than 6 million they would save towards the cap by releasing him i'm looking at this doing some quick math here so if that's the case would you be in favor of them saying you know what we are going to move on from curtis samuel because we still have weapons they also have you know deami brown Uh, they could re-sign cam sims you can always feels like you can find a receiver in the draft and plus, like the three top receivers are all not, they're all the same size, basically. Like, you don't have a big red zone target in there if you want somebody different. Or do you say, are you serious? He's he's a playmaker. They need guys on this team. We don't know what JD McKissick's future is. So he could sort of be that almost quasi like a third back. Where, 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 where would you be in favor of that one? Uh, yeah, I would maintain he's keeping around. I don't know what you would do with the money. You're already going to free up sizable room. Um, by cutting Wentz, so you know you could go after Duran Payne that way. Um, you know there are other guys like I'd rather personally like if we're talking about saving significant money. I mean I think Logan Thomas. I just wrote about this today, so I should have the number in front of me. But Logan Thomas would cut would say five million. Cutting someone like that, I, I think makes more sense rather than um, Curtis Samuel. And look, I mean if they want to be a run first offense and be a creative run first offense, Curtis Samuel helps with that. You know, having that added element, I actually think that was one of the things Scott Turner did well, is mixing him in and having sort of creative packages uh, to utilize the different receivers. It was just a matter... Scott Turner's problem was, you know, when certain plays were called, rather than the designs themselves. Uh, But, you know, I think we've seen ways that Curtis Samuel can be used creatively, and he would be a positive for Washington's run first offense. Okay. Um, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I think I would advocate for keeping him, but you know, if you sort of swap out Wentz for Duran Payne's franchise tag or whatever, and then now you don't have a ton more money to play around with, okay, then where are you going to get it from? And there are some other avenues like you mentioned, but to go to an extreme, it would be at least something I would have to consider, especially with how good Dodson looked. And like I said, if you're going to be this, not saying you don't throw the ball. It's not like 80-20, but I'm just saying, you know, it's uh, something to at least consider that I don't think people have discussed enough. Or at, at a minimum, you may need to consider giving him an extension, like to add, like you know, renegotiating the number because $13 million is a pretty big hit for a guy who I don't I, I look up how many touches he had, but he didn't have like an exorbitant amount of touches or anything. Right. They could add um, 
four years or whatever. I think a guy that if you wanted to clear um, space like that, you know, I didn't actually mention him in the article I wrote about cap casualties or whatever, but I was looking at it. A guy like Charles Leno, he would save $8 million if you were to theoretically draft a young left tackle that you felt confident in at 16 or whatever, and just kind of what happened to Charles Leno in Chicago, honestly, is they drafted Tevin Jenkins. Um, they said, all right, we're good, see ya, and they cut him. Now, that ended up being a massive mistake for Chicago, so maybe that would be a warning sign not to do it. But but that's a way that you could free up significant money. Without, yeah. I, I, there are just other ways to do it, is my point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, By the way, just looking at touches for the year, Brian Robinson two, from scrimmage. Brian Robinson, 214. Antonio Gibson, 195. Curtis Samuel, 102. Terry McLaurin, 84. You know who was fifth in touches for uh, the Commanders this year? Wait, say that again. Robinson Gibson, Samuel McLaurin, who is fifth. Was it still Logan Thomas? It was not. It was J.D. McKissick. Jesus. Despite <laughs> missing most of the year. I mean, J- Jahan Dotson is like eighth. I mean, he did miss some games, but it also goes to show they just weren't, you know, uh, spreading the ball around between all these guys. Right. Um, I mean, he, missed, he missed a lot of time, though. But should- he didn't miss as much as uh, McKissick. But anyway, oh, can we can we stay on Robinson because that's it? No, that's a positive. That that should have led the show. I mean, the man had yes. an incredible year after being shot. Like that that's insane. And I thought the way he developed uh, as the year went on was really encouraging. Now he ended the year a little bit banged up. That's the nature of the position. But there was that one. There was the the Falcons game where he was over, I think, 100 yards for the first time. That, to me, was like, whoa, this offense can maybe actually be something if they get, like, sustainable quarterback play. Like, that, that this adds another element to their offense that they were missing uh, previously. And I think as he starts to get more comfortable, he'll start ripping off those longer 10 to or 15 to 20-yard runs that maybe weren't there this year. Right. I mean, to the ex- he almost helped undersell his return to an extent because there was almost no hiccup. He comes off IR, he plays I'm thinking, you know, like we saw with Chase Young, Chase Young, he 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 went beyond the 21 day practice uh opportunity that you get coming, you know, before you come off IR. He didn't have any of it. Brian Robinson came in, began practicing immediately, played the first game. By the next game, he was already getting the full load essentially at running back. And it was almost like, you know, he had been out because of a sprained ankle, not because of something that was literally that, you know, that that serious. So, um, yeah, a really impressive year for sure. And, you know, when they talk about being a run first team, you can't say that if you don't have that guy. And he really, you know, his ability to take on blockers, I think that's going to be an interesting sort of deep dive um, to, to look at it more is like, when he's having to take on three and four tacklers, I mean, not blockers, tacklers, and he's pulling them, how much is that because the the line just wasn't helping him? And how much is that like, you know, he still has some questions about some, some, uh, you know, vision, or maybe he wasn't as, you know, didn't have that second gear perhaps because of the, the, the physical circumstances or whatever, but yeah, a wildly impressive year in general, let alone because of where he uh, was coming from. Yeah, and I want to see what he does with rushing a behind a line that's actually respect yeah, respectable. That's actually like athletic and can kind of move. Um, you know, I think Washington was fairly limited by what they had on the interior this year. I mean, how we talked about it all year, but you know, moving to, moving Sam Cosme to guard, does he become comfortable there? Does he become that kind of mauler that pushes the line and, and does Robinson get behind it? Because as impressive as Azir was, he still only averaged three point nine yards a carry. Some of that is situational stuff, but you would like that number to be over four uh, at the very least. Um, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, all right, I'm looking to see here. Where else can I go here with the okay? Well, you mentioned safety specifically, so I will mention cornerback. Um, you know, we knew going into the year, they really after Fuller and Jackson and St. Juice, it was like, okay, who's the fourth guy? Right. 
And that became even more curious after training camp when they cut Danny Johnson and Corn Elder and put them both on, on IR and they pick up a couple of you know, highly inexperienced players. And you're like, wait, what's going on here? And while moving on from Jackson was a pretty reasonable decision, it still meant they were incredibly thin at that position. But St. Juice came in and really just immediately, uh, you know, took over as the outside guy. And, and that was that also at that point, you mentioned the turnovers earlier where they really got more aggressive. I mean, he should have had a couple of interceptions himself that he ultimately Derek couldn't. Had a couple because of <laughs> right. Um, but I thought St. Juice was really impressive. And I think, you know, Kendall Fuller is just a total rock on the other side. Uh, the fact that he had two pick sixes is sort of the highlight, but he was just, you know, largely pretty steady all year. Uh, they still have questions behind those guys. I mean, I, I, you know, Danny Johnson did do a pretty good job late in the year, but at the same time, it's sort of how I view with Heineke. It doesn't really matter what he did. They clearly have not viewed him as somebody that they consider to be a top uh, you know, rotation player guy. So I think that's a position that they'll have to add some depth to, but nonetheless, St. Juice was good. The question for him is it's now two years in a row that he's had. He's missed several games with injuries. Needless to say for any position, that's not great. And they got to, you know, these injuries were all kind of different. I think by the most part, you know, concussion last year, uh, ankle this year, but what, you know, where we are, where are they at with that? That, that would be my question. But in general, I thought Benjamin St. Juice stepped up and fine. And so did Fuller, Danny Johnson, the guys who had to play more, um, well, at least in Johnson's case did as well. Yeah, I will say, I mean, I think some of that goes to coaching, you know, we like talking to Chris Harris, but, beyond the media part of the, the job, the obligations is, you know, teams are interested in him. He's gotten looks at coordinators. Uh, we probably need to check on to see what happened with him and the Titans. The Titans expressed interest for Chris Harris for a role on their staff. I don't necessarily think there's any update there, but, you know, this is a guy I think sooner or later is going to be a coordinator in this league and maybe even a head coach one day. He's really sharp. Yeah, for uh, for sure. Okay, uh, you are up. I went corner. You got any? You got anything else? Um, gonna go a little bit off the board here, but it's been circling on Twitter, and it, I think it's aged well. Is uh, I'm gonna go the way that they were able to trade down in the draft, and I think that's aged well. Maybe that helps them going into this offseason. But what they were able to do, moving back from eleven to sixteen, getting Jahan Dotson pick that turned into Brian Robinson and Cole Turner uh, and Sam Howe and Sam Howe. Yeah. Uh, just bravo. Well done. And you know, anytime you, I guess you trade back teams are going to benefit from it, but that one I thought was really noticeable just given how. Well, it's funny, right? You know, cause for years people kept pointing to the RG three trade and here's all the people that the Rams got and that that game when they played the Rams and the Rams brought all these guys out for the coin toss, but ultimately most of that really kind of fizzled out. They didn't really get a ton of guys who were mainstays. And, you know, it's only been one year. But, right? I mean, very good player. But, like, you know, but but it wasn't like the totality of it. All At the moment, at least if we're talking about hope, you've got Jahan Dodson, who looked, you know, he led the team in touchdowns. Amazing. You need to leave with this take. The, <laughs> the Dodson trade was better than the RG3 trade. My column. Well, I'm just saying, like, Dodson... <laughs> <laughs> Brian, but I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. I'm agreeing with you, but yeah. that, is, that is such. Next time you're on with Hoffman, lead with that because that is such a good segment. Oh my god! Well, look, if 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 hypothetically they did move on from Logan Thomas and Cole Turner were to start somehow, th- they would have from this trade Logan, uh, John Dodson, Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, Cole Turner all in the starting lineup. Oh man, my favorite week of training camp was the week that Cole Turner looked like he was going to be. Uh, the next big star here. I mean, that was what a week that dude had, and it never really materialized after that. But. I I brought this up at some point again. I may have told you at the time. I don't remember. Uh, it, you know where I was talking before about touches. If I had told you before the season, oh, oh. week one, yeah. that Reggie Bonifant, who was only on the roster for the last game, would get more touches three than Cole Turner this year too, be like what? Um. Yeah, it didn't it didn't work out there for a variety of reasons, but, but Cole Turner actually did so show some good things as a blocker, and uh, you know, kind of got he got leaped by Armani Rogers. Rogers showed enough growth that he 
by the time that Cole Turner was healthy and ready to go, it was okay. Now it's Armani Rogers, and then the season actually kind of started for real. And so you know, Logan yeah. Thomas, Todd Bates, you're not going to take a chance on a uh, fifth round rookie when you have right. And to that, right, exactly, exactly. I mean, it was uh, you know, once he you know once he got hurt in training camp and then missed some time, it just never really quite caught up. But he you know he, he did some good things and. Um, you know, somebody that they'll at least have to, you know, put in the mix in their head of what do we have here going forward? I actually still think tight ends a pretty big position that they should be looking to upgrade somehow this offseason. So, um, but yeah, that, that that that's still a wild um stat. All right, I'm gonna go crazy here. You and I are at all the home games. Yes. We know that a lot of the fans are not coming out anymore. And we know a lot of the fans that were there, especially early on the ones who were chanting, you know, sell the team and booing Tanya Snyder and all that stuff, not thrilled. But I would say that like, especially as the season progressed and granted they were winning some more games that helped. I do feel like the crowds were actually, you know, pretty decent. And, and, and you know, the, the ones who were there were pretty vocal. Like there, you know, there weren't, I'm not saying there weren't some games where it felt like you were playing somewhere else. And admittedly for us in the press box, it's a little hard to hear sometimes because of the, the glass, but like I'm saying later in the year, the people that went were responsive and into it. And it wasn't just simply, you know, 80, 80% the other team and everybody's just booing the whole time and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just saying, I'm giving credit to the fans. I know a lot of them have peeled off. And maybe that changes, you know, when Dan Snyder, should he sell the team? But I'm just, you know, I'm just giving props to the people who show up all the time, put it, you know, get, you know, they still either get excited or just like the experience. And especially over the second half of the year. I agree with you, Glenn Consor, that shouting out the fans. Is, is that, oh, is that my Glenn Consor move? <laughs> He's, every, every Encore Wizards interview he does. How about these fans? My amusement, but hey, look, if the, it, it, no, no, no shade, no, it was not a knock that that man yeah. is very respected, yes, absolutely. And look, I'm being serious, but, but if you I want to, it, it's so funny to me. And if you want to, if you agree with me, you can follow me at Ben Standing on Twitter, and uh, you know, we'll no, go from but, there. Uh, not, to, not to shit on the fans, but I thought the Cleveland game was really kind of a weird, it was a must win for them, it was the lowest attended crowd of the year. Now, of course, that's New Year's Day, but yeah, Detroit didn't have that problem when they were fighting for a playoff race, and their attendance was crappy a few years ago too. So, and not to mention the way that Carson Wentz was booed, and maybe the pressure that created on him. I don't know how helpful that was. Sure. Well, well, look, I, I don't, you know, I, I just like we, I don't want people being completely Pollyanna and tell me. You know, it's raining outside when I know I'm getting spit on, right? Like it's you got to be realistic. But and, oh, and yeah, I don't, and then, I don't and, knock the fans. With yeah, yeah. Fans. And and look, there was obviously a lot of people questioning the the idea of even starting Carson Wentz in that game. He throws that early pick, and immediately, you know, it, it, things things went south. But uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, I I just thought it was notable that like a couple players, um, Brian Robinson told a reporter, you know, Montez Sweat mentioned to me that. He thought it got in Carson's head and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, it, the the energy was a lot better at games this year. And I, I it, the way that traffic has improved at that stadium is so much better now. That it's, it's night and day. I mean, it's, well, can we actually say that, though? Because we get there so early and leave so late. Because I know people who still uh, tell that's me. That's true, but even going in, like, even – we would get there at the same time, so like the great. Maybe we just park in a different location. But going in and off Garrett Morgan Boulevard is much smoother than lining up for the gray lot and stuff. So maybe that is where we park. <laughs> right. Park. By the way, if we were going to do the negative part, since we're talking about the stadium, we've now gone through an entire year. We had this whole deal about they got to get something done at some point this this calendar year at a minimum to you know get going in the time frame they want, and we we understand what happened. You know all the all the uh, areas, you know, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, all more or less pulled out or offered very minimal. Um, so we get what happened, but I'm just saying that is that is a thing that happened. They, 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 have, they have not progressed in that. Of course, now we're just waiting for the new uh, ownership situation. Should that occur? I'm not going to assume anything yet, but once that happens, you know, what, other than the owner saying Ron Rivera is safe, whatever, 
that's got to be next thing. Okay. Yeah. Hi, hi, Virginia. Hi, Maryland. Hi, DC. Who wants to talk to us? Right. No, I mean, it seemed like they were on the two yard line with Virginia or whatever, and then dust up and all these other. Yeah, they went under. They went. They went to check the replay, and we're like, oh wait, what? What are we? Who? What are we about to do here? Who are we about to get in the fifty? Sorry. Uh... <laughs> right. right. Instead, <laughs> instead of being first and goal, it's now first and goal from the from the from from year thirty. <laughs> right. What game? Uh, there was a game like that this year, wasn't there? Or it was like a screenshot of just like first and goal from like the forty. I don't remember. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, we've already done a bunch of these things. Do you have any other positives? You, at this point, you yeah, you don't necessarily have to, but I just uh, I'll, I'll I'll just say this: we didn't really mention him exactly. Uh, you, you mentioned the trade. You know, yeah. kudos to Jahan Dotson, right? I mean that that was they took a lot of heat. For that pick, I mean, it's not like Jahan Dotson was like de- definitively picked insanely too early, but it was the ceiling of where, and maybe even a little like pushed through the ceiling a little bit of where people thought he could go. Um, and 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 even and you know, but he he, he from the moment we saw him at practice at, at uh, rookie camp and OTAs, it seemed like there was no doubt that this kid was ready to go. He, he's probably the best route runner on the team now and was like you know during the season uh you know the need didn't have a lot of catches but the seven touchdowns obviously were impressive you know he he played bigger than he is uh, you know and it even you know, it took him a second to to uh work his way back after the injury but he he, he played really well and I, I think like you know kudos to them but kudos to him for a really smooth transition no yeah and to stick on the first round of things, I thought Jamin Davis's development this year, we mentioned it earlier, was actually really impressive. But I think the last time I was on your pod, I, I brought up this point of, like, if you think of the 2021 draft class, you would say, oh, Cosme's a great find, but everyone else uh, will have to see. Where this year it was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, Davis and everyone else but Cosme, um, you know, you feel a little bit better about it. It was just kind of weird how it, it turned in that sense. But I, I thought Jamin Davis and the way that he responded to, to coaches calling him out, maybe we made too much of that as a media thing, but I actually think it did work on him in a positive way. I thought it was an effective uh, thing. I totally, uh, totally agree on that front. Um, all right. I'll just ask you this and then we can go. What there's a lot of balls up in the air right now. You got the offensive coordinator situation. You've got the quarterback. I mean, I know what they're saying about Sam Howell, but you know, we'll see what happens when we get a little bit closer. It's still super early to make any claims, and they've already said he's still got to win the job. But whatever, offensive coordinator, how they address the rest of the quarterback room. Um, you know, what do they do with Duran Payne? You know, uh, other topics as well. What for you is the thing that if they do this. I mean, that will make you feel positive about whatever, you know, whatever's going to happen here pr- before the season are. What's the one thing you're like, if they do this, as long as they don't botch the rest of it, I'll feel positive about where they're at. What's the, is there any one thing for you? Following the team? No. Uh... Well, look, I think that's, that's the universal take for, for, for that one. Uh, uh, on the field stuff. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I'm prepared for Duran Payne to leave, but it'd be fun to cover that again. I mean, it's really fun watching Duran Payne and Jonathan Allen play football next week. It's yeah, uh, you know, just because I think my serious answer would be to lock up Cam Curl, uh, just for the importance uh, of what they do um, on defense and how important he is to that unit. And I think that would answer some concerns of all right, like is this actually going to be a lame duck year are they just not going to do anything and just try and get by and let the next guy figure it out if they can actually commit to cam curl and make this sort of uh, commitment i think that's more of a it would be a promising thing if you're a washington fan um yeah for sure i'll just say that even though addressing a problem is not the same as solving it I will be positive if they really, in a sincere way, go and uh, try fixing the offensive line. What they did this past year, I'm not talking about Scherf, but going with Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner, two older guys 
who are on the wrong end of their careers, you know, not, not the quickest guys anymore, but because of that familiarity with Carolina and all that, they kept those, they, they went for those guys. They need to go out, whether it's using, you know, a first and a third round pick signing a vet, they need to go out and address that. If they do that, then it's going to make the Sam Howell situation better. Um, it'll get, it'll make the Brian Robinson situation better if they do that. But if they come back with, you know, and I think they will, but if they come back with largely this group and they add, you know, Chris Paul and Sam Cosme as your starting guards, you're not rolling with that. Well, I mean, it could be fine. I mean, Sam Cosme is arguably better there, but then like, what do you, you know, is, is Cornelius Lucas still sure. the right tackle? What are you doing at center? I, I won't even care. I mean, look, I, I'm realistic. You can't fix every problem at all the time. So if you bring back Andrew Norwell, okay, I, I, I'm not going to yell, but like, you've got to address the center spot. You've got to address right tackle. And then perhaps maybe there's other things to do. So if they do that, right. If they do that, I'll feel pretty good about their situation, at least in terms of what I just, the way I just laid it out that I'll feel positive about, cause the, if you don't have an offensive line, I don't care what else you have. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, especially if you want to be a run first offense, it starts in the trenches to, Cornelius Lucas. Um, all right, before I let you go, I just said, you're the Wizards guy here with me. Yet yesterday, a report came out by the Athletic that the Wizards are uh, looking to do some things with, with possibly trade Rui Hachimura. Uh, that for some people might come out of the blue, be like, whoa, why are you trading him? He's, he's he's scoring pretty well this year. Recent first round pick. You know, he's clearly athletic and all that stuff. Why, you know, why would you even consider that? Um, I am in total favor of this, uh, purely for, uh, like almost like aesthetic reasons. I do not personally enjoy watching him play basketball a ton. He could certainly score, but the, the off the, the passing is non-existent. His defense is very hit or miss to say the least. And they also have a bit of a log jam there. Even if Kyle Kuzma and Kristaps Porzingis both left in the off season, which would be a huge issue on another front. It wouldn't bother me if they also moved Hachimura and then they kind of had to start over. So I'm intrigued by it, but that's very different than saying they're going to get anything for him. And I, I, I wonder where the rumor is even coming from. But anyway, you you, you were out there the other day. What uh, What's your take on uh, on that? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, they couldn't agree to an extension. I don't necessarily think it's an either-or situation. I honestly think they should trade Kuzma. I mean, as good as, as well as he's played um, – I don't know. I think the time to sell on him now is hot. And we saw what happened with Bradley Beal. Like, I understand I understand their perspective of wanting to keep a guy like Bradley Beal. Kyle Kuzma, to me, is not that as well as he's played. Maybe he's even had a better season than Beal. But strike while the iron's hot for a change. Um, and it's scorching with Kuzma right now. And I actually think they could get something valuable for him. Right. I mean, in that case, the issue is you really have to trust that he's going to stay. Clearly, Bradley Beal was in was in the bag. They felt very confident and as they should have. I don't feel that confident about Kuzma. I'm not around the team anymore the way I was, but I body language is things I've heard. I think they need to consider doing that right, independent of Rui. But um, anyway, that's all well, I got for like, you. Know, if I thought the line in Sham's story about you know they're going to be dangerously close to the tax that they resign. Kuzma, Porzingis, or Porzingis opts in and then Beal. Like, there's just this, there's always going to be a ceiling. And even if you wanted to try and build out from the middle, per se, like, no, 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 no. So, no, no I, I know that you and I both agree that decision is nuts. But if you're actually trying to do that, I don't necessarily know if Kyle Kuzma helps you build out from the middle. I mean, I, I think building out from the middle would be to keep Beal trade Kuzma for, you know, David Rodney of the Grizzlies and see if he develops into a nice young star. Like, something like that makes more sense to me than keeping Kuzma. I hear you, man. All right, well, we'll, we'll talk more. Now that the commander's over, I'll, I'll, I'll get some more Wizards-centric uh, episodes, but, you know, we'll always talk commanders here. Uh, and uh, always fun to talk with Matt Paris. Follow him on Twitter, at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. Read him at the Washington Times. And uh, you know, go. He's you know he's he's the funny guy on the beat. So uh, you know, make sure you appreciate his uh, his his uh, his humor. Um, my guy, I appreciate it as always. <laughs>